is this? Ah, the French. For what reason? What is the charge? Eating a meal? A succulent Chinese meal? I'm here, Papa! Yippee-ki-yay, Mr. Falcon. First listen to the animal man, the Snoopy Snoopy poop dog. My wife hated me being a firefighter. We were divorced nine months later. If you don't mind my saying, I don't like your attitude one bit. Inspired. Six times I've now ruined my whiskey. I'm under what? I just want to do whatever serves the corporation best. Good night, Mr. Wilson. Good night. Gentlemen, this is Democracy Manifest. A recording from the top of the Ferris wheel. It is Mogvilla Warfare. It's a World Champion Podcast. My name is Brighton SLC. And I am Sean Black. World Champion Podcast is us two who signed a bad contract to be the official podcast of the Smogville World Fair. This podcast is a freeform conversation about the bizarre stories and news from the fringes of society. That's true. But before we get into that, I, I, I couldn't help but notice that your voice sounded a little weird at the beginning. Oh, no, that was, um, that was the announcer. That wasn't me. Oh, okay. Yeah. Sorry, I, I usually record with my back facing you, so I don't use, you know, so I'm not distracted. Right, exactly. You like to look out the tiny little window slot yes. they have in the Ferrisville. No, that was Luigi, who was the MC of the Smogville beauty pageant, the Miss Smogville Oh, that has cleared, cleared up a lot of confusion yeah. about this weekend. Yeah. Now, um, obviously, every morning we check the trending topics, which is... Uh, printed on a giant chalkboard. I think they claim it's the biggest chalkboard mm-hmm. uh, east of the Pacific. Which, which is, is awesome because we can see it from how far away we are. Yeah. And even, they, even elevated 40 feet in the air. Yeah, they write out the day's trending topics, and mm-hmm. um, it's hard to kind of join the conversation. Well, you, you can draw a little hashtag on the chalkboard if you have your own chalk, I guess. If you have your own chalk. But uh, this one is the Miss Smogville pageant. That's right. Because, um, of course, they asked one of the contestants... A question, and she blew the answer, yeah. and everyone's making fun of her for that. A lot of controversy. Is, and which is a shame. I mean, it was a hard question, mm-hmm. I think. I mean, they asked her to point out Smogville on a map. Right. And and that's and that's one thing, but to have the actual map there was just rubbing salt in the wound. I think they were just when they When they unrolled that, that, that map, I just even I shook my head. Yeah, and she... Uh, that was Miss Churro Stand. Because mm-hmm. it's just, the representatives come from different sections of the small from, fair. From, yeah, from within the fair. Yeah, so the, there was Miss Belly Dancer, Miss Churro Stand. Mm-hmm. Miss Swor- Sword Swallower. Miss Sword Swallower. And then the... And then the winner. Yeah. Um, this, this, this was controversial. The winner was Mr. Brown's Cow, which he, he apparently entered right before it started. I'm not sure. I guess they, they checked the rules, and there was no rules about entering a really healthy cow into it. It is a fine cow. It is. And even I, like, when, when the, the cow won, I just, even I was like, huh, that, that's a healthy cow. Looks like it's really strong and girthy. Well, and the problem, I think, too, is that there were three cows on the jury, mm-hmm. on the judges. There was Mr. Pumpernickel, mm-hmm. um, the mayor's aide, right. and then three cows. Right, and so that's, I guess that's why people are saying this is some sort of conspiracy. Which, when you, pointed, when you, when you said it out loud, I can see their point, but it's pretty, it was pretty obvious that that cow had, had won the show, even from our private box up here in the, the Ferris wheel well, carriage. So let's talk about the private box. I was so excited when I saw on the chalkboard that The Cure was coming to mm-hmm. Smogville. Mm-hmm. Um, we never get big touring acts here. 
Yeah, and it turns out that their bus just broke down. So they didn't, they, I guess they weren't planning on playing, but it, it turned out great for everyone that they did. Robert did seem a little distressed by yeah. the whole situation. Mm-hmm. But, but it was awesome. When we found that out, we actually paid a lot of money for luxury box tickets. Yes, a lot. And then it turned out that we were already in it. Yeah, they were just selling tickets to our Ferris wheel. So yeah. we had to share it with some other yeah, a lot of bad, some other aging goths. Yeah, and, yep. And, and it, yeah, it was kind of a, a crowded affair. Amazing show though. They played. I don't. They played thirty three songs. Mm-hmm. I looked that up later, and they did three or four encores. I three w- encores that each had about ten songs in them. See the way I looked at it. Again, I had my back to most <laughs> of the concert because I didn't want to get distracted. Yeah. I thought it was it was thirty three songs. I agree with that, but I was under the impression that it was thirty three encores, or I guess thirty two encores. Oh, so I think they played one song set, and then went, then they came out for their encore. And then they did that thirty one more times, and <laughs> yeah, I was could be. and I just thought that is that what what class what yeah. a bunch of pros. Yeah, they did play every song I wanted to hear except plain song, and I was really dis- what was I saying all night long? I just wanted to hear plain, plain song. song. They didn't, but they did Friday I'm in Love to close out uh-huh. one of like the twenty ninth encore maybe. Yeah, that was like the third or thirteenth encore. They played my favorite song, which I wasn't expecting to hear, which is a hundred years, mm-hmm. which I think is the uh, the first song on pornography. Yeah, and they did Caterpillar, they did uh, Forest, yeah. uh, Do the Unstuck, so that was a cool show. They played the song from The Crow soundtrack. Yeah. That, was, I, that was a nice surprise. Yeah, and if they come by a fair near you, check them out, because I, I, uh, I looked it up, and they, they mix up the set list every single night, like mm-hmm. completely mix it up. Right. Sometimes bands will, you know, maybe they'll close with one song and then close a different song next night, but these guys completely, right. it's like they're pulling out of a hat. And stick around for the beauty pageant afterwards. I think that was only at the Smogville show. Oh, because remember how okay. upset the cows were getting. That's right. Okay, okay. By the thirty-second encore. I think you're right. Yeah, that's um, fun. He hasn't aged a day. Well, we were pretty far back. <laughs> so, from my point of view, no, he hasn't aged a day. But when I saw right. pictures later, right? But, but you know, but they, yeah. But look at us. We look like garbage now. Right. Aging is a thing that happens. He's like fifty-seven years old. I'd be. Yeah, I, I'll look like the Crypt Keeper from Tales from the Crypt. I think we've Except talked about fatter. that. Except like a fat version. Yeah, <laughs> a fat Crypt Keeper. You're like a fat Crypt Keeper. Yeah. So if you can look like you've died and still you've somehow gained weight, that's how I'll look. And that's that's a pretty impressive look. It really is. It's it's cultivated. <laughs> I think we've talked about this a lot before, too, how, how much criticism um, celebrities and rock stars get for looking old, when in mm-hmm. fact they are old. And... When you suddenly it pops in your mind that, huh, maybe I'm also aging. Yeah. Maybe when I've been doing a podcast for 40 years, I'm not, look so great, you will not. <laughs> right. <laughs> oh, man, I know. I saw William Shatner at Comic Con. He looked like shit. He's 89 years old. Do you know so what? He actually, right. he actually looks like, like the guy from Tales of the Crypt, but chubby. He's, so, very, he's real tight. His so skin is tight. It is. It's, it's very, so that's how I'll look, basically. And look now. So I got Shatner on the mind because I, I consumed a lot of pop culture this weekend, mm-hmm. uh, a little more than usual. Okay. I watched a lot of TV. I, uh, of course, saw the concert and the... Oh, Shatner's 80, 85 is all. He looks... Yeah, he, that's, that's impressive. He looks really man. good for 85. Yeah, he does. And I love him. He's the best. So um, before I get into all the TV I watched, I want to emphasize again, because I mentioned this last week as an afterthought, uh, Preacher episode two came out and I'm still thrilled with it. Okay. I'm absolutely thrilled. Huh. I'm a big fan of the comic. And I think it's totally outrageous if you don't know anything about Preacher. Uh-huh. And if you do, 
It's it, tamed. Believe down. it or not, they've tamed it they've down, tamed it down which that. makes it a little more palatable. That makes sense. Yeah. And there's uh, there's a character from the books that when they were announcing the casting, they never mentioned. And wasn't on IMDb, wasn't on any of the press releases that they cast an actor in this role. So I assumed this character would not be in the first season. And then, of course, opens the show last night. So I was nice. like, oh, dang, there he is. Cool. So check that out. But um, no, I watched... <laughs> I don't know why I was having bad dreams or something about scary faces and windows. In fact, one of my biggest fears is having a dream about face, <laughs> it's face just and a window. scary faces and windows. And it occurs to me now if there's anyone that cares enough to make a drinking game out of this show. Mm-hmm. Take a sip every time I say one of my biggest fears because I feel like that's happened a lot. Well, I just I, I, I think when you say one of my biggest fears, you're talking about the list of fears. One of my biggest fears... Like, there's hundreds of them. Yeah, no, there's hundreds. Right. That's why I say one of. Mm-hmm. But I've always been... But one of, of kind of implies maybe there's three. But this is a one of where there's one of, one of thousands. Right, and then my little fears... Mm-hmm. I mean, that's the whole thing, too. I know, one of my littlest fears. You don't hear that often, but you do hear it around you. Yeah. Oh, man, one of my littlest fears is getting a paper cut. <laughs> I'm like, you're not afraid of that? I'm like, no, I am. Just not as much as I am seeing a scary face in a window. Right. It's not as, it's a little fear. Growing up, our front door was glass, and we didn't have, uh, a, <laughs> I was going to say we didn't have newspaper over it. No, what do normal people have? <laughs> what if, what, what's that stuff called? Tinfoil. Yeah, tinfoil. We have tinfoil on it. So at night, if I uh, was in the kitchen or, or was maybe watching a movie late, and then I had to go to my bedroom, I'd have to walk by at nighttime, a this glass big door. glass window. And so I'd always kind of look down at the ground. Who Jason, by. Jason Voorhees was obviously standing right outside. Well, exactly, Jason Voorhees. Another fat zombie. <laughs> That's true. He has a beefy zombie. <laughs> no, Jason Voorhees, or maybe Rocky Dennis, or maybe a guy with a mustache. Someone mm-hmm. standing there that I don't want staring in my window at me. Mm-hmm. And it finally, I had this breakthrough. Rocky where Dennis came is from. a low blow. And, and well, <laughs> I'll, I'll, I, it was legit. Okay? I was also afraid... Um, because obviously I'm sleeping with my door shut, so the mm. elephant man can, can't just stand in the doorway yeah. and watch me sleep. But then if I had to go to the bathroom, I'd have to open my door. <laughs> so I would look at the ground so that instead of coming face-to-face with the monster, I'd see their feet That's first. That's a smart move. And then I'd know to shut the door again. This is like, kind of like an ostrich. Right. It's like along that path. Yeah, I open the door and I see uh, some giant shoes with really thick, thick soles, and I know Frankenstein's Frankenstein. there. No, well, Frankenstein's well, monster. Sorry, well, to, sorry to be that guy. Who's the real monster? Maybe Frankenstein had big boots, too. We don't know. Yeah, we don't know. I mean, he's always spilling stuff on him. Yeah. He's working with a lot of dangerous chemicals Electricity's and stuff. He's probably got to have those really thick... Yeah, he probably has insulated soles. I'll bet you he, I'll bet Frankenstein's monster has the same exact brand of shoe, just like two sizes bigger. That's another thing, too, in line with our discussion a few weeks ago about quicksand and Limburger cheese, mm-hmm. is we know, of course, that to not be electrocuted... You have to have really thick rubber soles, and then mm. you're fine. Okay. From electrocution. Is that a, is that not true? I don't know, but uh, or do people not know that? Is I what think you're people don't know that. <laughs> well, now they know, man. Yeah. We're saving the world. So anyway, uh, long way of saying that I finally pinpointed where the sphere comes from is the Twilight Zone episode "Nightmare at Twenty Thousand Feet." Oh God! When Shatner yeah. pulls the curtain, because I just. I had never seen the whole episode, I don't think. I'd only seen it on, like, a Best of Twilight Zone VHS compilation. Mm-hmm. So they just show him really slowly grabbing the curtain on the plane and pulling it back, and then that guy's staring at him. Yeah. And the guy doesn't even look that weird. 
but just weird enough to be super creepy. Now, have you seen the Twilight Zone movie? Yes, with Lithgow. Because the, Lith- the John Lithgow thing as a child terrified me. Yeah. Terrified that me. That and it's way like, more demonic. And it's a gremlin, right? That's the, the idea? Right. Is this one of those World War II gremlins? Well, that's what we're going to get to. Oh, okay. Well, yeah. I'm on the right track. Because that's yeah. the impression I had. When I was little, I just thought it was Monster. Monster Man. Well, I didn't realize, too. So we watched it this weekend. I didn't realize how furry he was. <laughs> also, fat, he's a fat monster. He's really fat. Is he fat, too? Yeah. Wow, we've already I mean, found the theme of the show. And we're just <laughs> fat a few, monsters. few minutes in, fat monsters. So, uh, yeah, I always pictured him as more of a golem like creature. But no, he's got this really like poofy disco hair. Wow. <laughs> and then he's wearing like a shag carpet and he's really fat. Is he? Yeah. And kind of pear shaped. Like he's got a really big gut and a really big butt. And he kind of floats around the wing, and then his weird face with his... The face freaked me out. It was the movement. He does this kind of like chipmunk quick movement that just really freaked me out. And then when he goes like, no, 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 and shakes his finger, that part freaked me out so bad as a a kid. So So I've never seen the Shatner one. So the Shatner one, so it's the original Twilight Zone. I think it's season five. It was right near the end. It's on Netflix if you want to watch it. Only less than half an hour long. Directed by Richard Donner. Oh, wow. Yeah. Great direction. Um, and then the premise, of co- I love it. It's Shatner and his wife getting on a plane mm-hmm. and just having this conversation of, I uh, can't believe you're willing to be seen with me on this plane after that time I had a nervous breakdown on a plane. That's, that's what William Shatner's saying? Pretty much, yeah. <laughs> it's like, oh, it's okay, honey. You're fine. Well, the doctor said I was fine. Anyway, okay, dear. <laughs> then, of course, what does he do? Immediately pulls out a pack of cigarettes. Oh, God. Yeah, just have a nice relaxing smoke just while we take smoke. off. And they're just taking pills in the course of this 25-minute episode. They give him, like, four sleeping pills. Like, I just take another sleeping pill. <laughs> Excuse me, stewardess, can you get a sleeping pill for my husband? So, so you're saying 30 minutes after the, the episode ended, he, went, he just, like, died. Probably, he just, yeah. he, His heart stopped. Yeah, just smoking and all. sleeping pills. <laughs> Because this is, what, 1963, maybe, mm. 1962? They were like Tic Tacs back then. Oh, yeah, yeah. But whatever it is, it's probably illegal now because it causes... It was quaaludes, probably. Yeah, quaaludes. <laughs> probably it was qua- quaaludes, thalidomide, something like that. Like, uh-oh, take enough of those and your toes fall off. Mm-hmm. So, and he's all sweaty, and, and then he sees that it's, they're, thri- they're flying into a storm. Because I guess back then, planes couldn't get above the clouds, so they're just racing through a lightning storm. <laughs> And he sees this gremlin on the plane. And the, the scariest part is when the gremlin sees Shatner and is looking at him. Like, that's what I was like scared. Like, just as curious to look at Shatner. Yeah, that, that's, that's, I think that's what freaked me out about the whole premise, is this thing noticing you and no one else knows that this thing has seen you. Yeah. And then you know it's seen you. And then, does, doesn't, he, doesn't it make eye contact? And then, in, in the case of the one I saw was John Lithgow. He looks away, and then when he looks back, the thing's gone. Yeah, that's what keeps happening. Is he'll summon the stewardess, yeah. the pilot, um, and he, and then at one point the thing's gone and he shuts the curtain. But that's then he right. gets scared and then he opens, opens the curtain back right up there. and it's right there, like even pushing its nose up. Uh, yeah, it was October eleventh, nineteen sixty-three. So this is pre-Star Trek, then, huh? Yeah, yeah. And as I was watching it, I mean, a few thoughts um, that I'll get to in a second. Uh, they oh, at one point they summoned the flight engineer. Who, okay. who says, and he's saying, there's a thing on the wing. There's a man on the wing, and he's, like, chewing up. Like, the, the gremlin starts ripping out wires Tables, and stuff. Yeah. yeah, yeah. And the pilot guy says, first he's trying to deny it, and then he says, like, well, keep your voice down. 
look, we know about it, but we can't let these other people know. That's in the episode? Yeah. And, and, and then Bill is like, okay, fine, asshole. And the guy's like, anyway, I'll go get you a sleeping pill. Wait a, wait a minute, wait a minute, because that's, that's not in the movie version. Yeah, and I don't know. So, so I was going to ask you about the, the show itself. Is it supposed to be his, like, mind? Well, I'm going to spoil it. So that's the one thing that I wasn't sure of is, was the pilot just trying to patronize him? Don't they, maybe they or, do say that. Or was too. it, or do they know? So he, okay, oh man, it's the best thing. So he fans, <laughs> I, I didn't mean to do this, but I'm just going to go through the whole episode. To do it. So there's, a, there's like a Smokey the Bear on the plane. Or I guess some kind of forest ranger cop. He's just wearing one of those hats. Oh, okay. I guess that's how cops dressed. And he's just sitting on the plane with his gun hanging out. Mm-hmm. So Shatner sees his gun and he starts creeping towards it, towards the gun. <laughs> and we're filming this from like gun's eye view, like the camera's real low, <laughs> real low gun in the foreground. And then the guy, like, snores. The sleeping cop with his gun hanging out right. snores. <laughs> you know, and he's not ready for his next cigarette yet. Mm-hmm. Um, so then Bill, he has something. <laughs> so he kind of backs up a little bit and looks around suspiciously. And then he really deliberately, like, throws his wallet on the ground. <laughs> <laughs> and then bends down to pick it up and grabs the gun. And then runs back to his seat, just holding the gun. And he's sitting there getting it and ready. And nobody notices this. Nobody on, notices on any this of this. Tiny little plane. Oh, and so he's sitting at the wing. He's in the emergency exit. Okay. So he fastens a seatbelt. He's got the gun ready, and then he blows the hatch. Whoa! So immediately, and then he's screaming. So immediately, he's like flailing outside of the plane in this rainstorm. Oh. Uh, with the gun, but he manages to regain his composure enough to pump six bullets into the gremlin's chest. Gremlin goes flying off the wing. The emergency landing. He's all tied up. Do they find scratches on the engine like in the movie? So that's what I think. So it ends with him being wheeled into the ambulance, and the camera pans back and does show that the wing has like a panel yanked out. And then Rod Serling's uh, narration says, um, happily, his conviction will not remain isolated too much longer, for happily, tangible manifestation is very very often... I'm going to try to do it. Tangible manifestation is very often left as evidence of trespass even from so intangible a quarter as the Twilight Zone. <laughs> wow, that wasn't cr- good, but I never practiced so it. That was not bad, but that was very cryptic. Right. Like, so You're sitting at home. You, you just would have went, what? Oh, and that's interesting. That was George Miller that directed the movie version oh, okay. of, uh, of Mad Max fame. Do you think that there was a no smoking section on that plane? Did they have that? A smoking section? I think think smoking and non-smoking was was an innovation that came around in the 70s, probably. That is hilarious. I love when that used to happen in restaurants back in the the, the golden era of smoking. Yeah. No, this was the golden era. That was the the golden era. The bronze era. But I remember the food court at the Cottonwood Mall just... And I'm still nostalgic about it when I smell cigarette smoke because it makes me think I'm about to get a corn dog. Gosh, I forgot that people and an orange smoke Julius in the mall. Yes, there was smoking and non-smoking in the mall, and you'd get your corn dog and your Sparrow and your orange Julius. God, the good old days when smoking was just a kick-ass thing that like nobody worried about. Jeez, it's so weird how much the world's changed. I like at Disneyland when you're getting on the Big Thunder Mountain roller coaster, mm. and they tell you no smoking. So you just like <laughs> you're just on the like ah, oh, the roller coasters stress me out. I guess you would smoke anywhere if you could. So why yeah. not, man? What, what better place than on the log flume to, to, to break out a cigarette? In the tiki room or yeah. the pirate's ride. The tiki room's perfect. The, you're, you're sitting on a bench watching the room come alive. Why not have a nice, relaxing smoke? Ah, Flavortown. <laughs>
Okay. So, uh, so anyway, I just, oh, so my thoughts on that episode. First of all, it's really good. The Twilight Zone's awesome. Mm-hmm. Watch more Twilight Zone, everybody. Shatner gets a lot of grief, but he can be a good actor when he I wants to. I think he's, I will argue he's a good actor all the time. And the key to him is his sad eyes. So I notice it a lot in this episode. Think of like Star Trek Two when he's first getting all angsty about be- getting older mm-hmm. and getting passed by. Is he does this kind of like slow blink with his eyes and this look, and it's just brilliant. Hmm, I'll have to it's look really out. Really good. It. He does his his stilted dialogue, but the way he acts with his eyes. And let's face it, young Shatner, mm-hmm. like young Stalin, uh, damn uh, handsome, damn handsome, lady killer. Bolshevik. (laughs) (laughs) So that leads into this week's segment of Mysteries of the Mysterious. All right. So, gremlins. Uh, Gremlins, apparently, according to uh, the people that don't want you to know, they're uh, mythical. But we we all know that's bullshit. Yeah. Wake up. Greeple. There, there's gremlins. Wake up, Greeple. Greeple. Gremlin people. <laughs> Wake up, Greeple. Gremlins are eating your airplanes. Gosh, did we make that word up? That we're we're gonna. That's that's great. I like that. Trademark. Wake up, Greeple. Yeah, we should hashtag Greeple for this episode. Yeah, sometime soon we're gonna have to talk about merchandise and probably wake up Greeple. So we'll be <laughs> we'll be on there. Um, so the first reports of gremlins, it came from the Royal Air Force. It was slang in the 20s among pilots stationed in the Middle East. Um, and the first written source of that word was 1929. Now, right off the bat, let's describe a gremlin. So a gremlin is, it's like a Scandinavian imp mm-hmm. or a uh, Danish nisaman. Okay. Um, I like the Danes because their versions of gremlins, they actually help you. Oh, okay. They're these little mischievous... Men, gnome-like things, Nisa men. But they kind of just help you out. Well, the, so they're doing good mischief? What yeah, does that entail exactly? I like they put the lid like, back on the powdered sugar when you leave it off. Or when you're not looking? Like that. Yeah. That's, that's actually pretty awesome. Put, slip money into your wallet when you're not looking? Yeah. So the gremlin thing really took off uh, among the Spitfire pilots and then the high-altitude like spy pilots in World War II. And uh, the British were pretty insistent, the airmen, uh, that there were gremlins who would cause mechanical problems um, by chewing. And it, reports vary. Do they chew on the wires or do they cut them with scissors? And so I love the idea of these guys running around with scissors. Are these, are these scissors they've made themselves in some kind of cave? I hope so. So are like they, bone scissors or something? Oh, they're probably... When, when was the last time you tried to find scissors? You probably couldn't find them. Oh, that's that so mystery. stealing your scissors. Stole the scissors. So, so this is all from mechanical error. Nobody's saying they saw a little gremlin on their wing. Oh, no. People saw Oh, gremlins. so it's that, too. Yeah. Now, so the, the real scary thing at first is that we thought they were working for the Axis. By we, I mean the Allied powers. Yeah. And uh, D-Day, we celebrated that uh, 72nd anniversary just a couple days ago. So mm. we should all be thinking about this. It's true. About how they had gremlins. Yeah, it's gotta, let's not forget the gremlins. <laughs> um, but then spy reports came in that, and we found out that the Luftwaffe was also having, having similar mechanical gremlin problems. Gremlin problems. And uh, what I'm reading here says that that improved morale significantly. <laughs> I imagine so. Yeah. To think that, that's, that, a, that's like the original Misery Loves Company. Yeah, and then it became sort of a bonding thing amongst the airmen was talking about gremlins. Um, now, the gremlins actually lived in the fighters. 
according right. to according to some reports. And then Roald Dahl, who was uh, wasn't he part of the RAF, or was he uh, not, uh, or was he a spy? I'm not sure. I think. I oh think yeah, he right. was he was a fighter pilot. Yeah. So after the war, he wrote a book called The Gremlins, um, that got bought by Disney and kind of just got stuck in pre-production. But Disney was planning on making an animated movie about the Gremlins. Now, there is an animated, I think it's a Bugs Bunny cartoon that's a World War II one where there's Gremlins in the plane. Yeah, Bugs Bunny. Uh, I remember it as a kid. <laughs> yeah, Falling Hair. That's what it's called? It was just one Gremlin. Oh, was it just one? Just one giving him grief. But then in uh, Russian Rhapsody, there were Russian Gremlins that sabotaged an aircraft piloted by Adolf Hitler. Now, I didn't know Hitler could fly. <laughs> How do you think he got into power, man? <laughs> Just he was doing, doing tricks. He was doing like barrel rolls. and, and he, It's like when you go out to the Air Force Base and watch the, the Blue Angels. Yeah. It was like a one-man Blue Angels. It was like the Dick Van Dyke, Mary Poppins like, air show. And that was just all Hitler. <laughs> just all Hitler and then, well, thank goodness the Russian gremlins took him down. Yeah. So... Um, I guess the big thing, so Roald Dahl is credited with making them famous worldwide, um, but a lot of servicemen uh, insisted that they did see gremlins. One crewman swore that before an engine malfunction to his B-25 bomber um, that he saw a gremlin. Hmm. And uh, a lot, there's actually a lot of eyewitness accounts of gremlin, and then, and then one account of someone on the ground who found a cable that had obvious tooth marks. Hmm. Um, like inside, deep into the wing. Now, is are these gremlins man-sized? How big are they? So when they say they saw something on the wing, are they seeing a full-size naked man on the wing, or are they seeing like a little golem guy? I have to or... imagine they're little golem guys. Now, the uh, uh, doll's book was was illustrated, and they were kind of little little guys. Here's a bunch of posters from something called... Uh, Oh, no, just some World War II safety posters. We'll post these later. It's okay. like, gremlins are floor greasers. Watch your step. And there's some little guys pushing over some oil and then a big guy slipping, slipping on it. Gremlins love to pitch things at your eyes. Wear safety goggles. Oh, so this is kind of their funny little take on the, on the rumor? Yeah, and they kind of look like uh, sea monkeys a little bit, like just little men in tights with frilly collars. So they're not nude. Yeah, that well, that's the drawing here. But you know, that was World War II, so obviously they got to put clothes on them in the picture. That's true, but that still implies maybe a little a society. Maybe there was a third axis we didn't know about. Oh, so you're saying that's how we know if they were how civilized they were? Well, it's basically whether you know if they're intentionally messing with the plane, because if they're just a little animal, then they're just raccoons. They're just raccoons doing what raccoons do. Being but if they have clothes, they might be. Yeah, if they're if they're manufacturing clothes and they're aware enough that they shouldn't be naked. So it might not be that they were supporting the Axis or the Allies, but they were just their own thing. Yeah, it could have been like a third party wanting to take over the world, but they were way less organized. So World War II was an even bigger conflict than we thought. Yeah. Because of the gremlins. Yeah, Cersei's the trolls and the gremlins, and it was very Lord of the Rings. <laughs> yeah. But humans in their hubris. So wait a minute. Couldn't even see. So what? Lord of the Rings was written as a metaphor for World War II. I guess it was wasn't a metaphor at all. It just literally was World War II. It was, and only Tolkien knew it, and that's why he was always. He always said it was not a metaphor. Oh, he did. And we thought, 
And what he meant by what that... What our interpretation was that it was just a fantasy story, but what he meant was, no, this is real, no, this what happened. He, yeah, what he was saying is, you guys were fighting against Sauron, you didn't even know it. Yeah. The little gremlins, they're the, they're the first ones out of Mordor. Everyone was so busy worrying about their fighter jets yeah. and, their, and digging their trenches. And then wow. I guess most of, of the Orakai and orcs and everything, they, they probably just got stuck in the mud somewhere. Yeah, like they got because they're they're not coming in with the, with tanks with those huge tread. They're they're going in on wagons with they're like just running. They're running. The they're mainly running. They're mainly running, and we got tanks and planes. And so I imagine they got stuck way by the entrance to Middle Earth, which I assume is the North Pole. Yeah, and then probably an old man with a white beard chanting, <laughs> "Not a priority when the Luftwaffe is and is flying over right. London." It's true. So uh, I, I love the way this is phrased about the eyewitness account as it says, critics of this idea state that the stress of combat and the dizzying height caused hallucinations. So I like the, like the outliers, the people that don't believe in gremlins. I just, yeah, I just think it's funny. <laughs> critics of the idea, like, you know, critics of the idea that a trickle down economy would. <laughs> right. No, but they state that it's fine. Not critics of the idea point out that it's batshit insane. <laughs> <laughs> Those, that is like, do there need to be critics in a think tank somewhere publishing papers that there's no gremlins yeah gosh that sounds almost like an onion thing yeah critics of gremlins <laughs> the editor of the gremlin onion. deniers yeah, gremlin deniers so so um so did this carry on into vietnam and the korean war was the are, are, are airmen still seeing gremlins right now no it's really only it ends at world war ii what i did find out is um, if anyone is maybe familiar with a magazine called Playboy, <laughs> um, there are characters in there called Femlins, Femlins, which are these little naked cartoon women with like black nylons on. All over the page, like, the, like uh, in the margins of the pages? Yeah. And like they, like um, in a mad magazine with... Uh, uh, they appear in the party jokes page. Oh, and they're called Femlins. Femlins. Um, there's there's merchandise available, so that's Femlins, and then of course Gremlins in the '80s. Yeah, which I don't those don't really jive with the classic Gremlin mythology. Aside like, from just being troublemakers, just yeah, being little weird troublemakers that kind of look like bats. Um, they do look like bats. Uh, there there was a guy named Froggy the Gremlin on, of course, that classic '40s radio show, Smiling Ed's Gang. <laughs> I don't even need to mention that. Yeah, I, I'm kind of surprised you brought it up. It's so well known. I have a question. Skeptics be damned. Are are there any like plane crashes attributed to gremlins? Where they where they actually said this 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 person died because of gremlin, you know, bullshit. If there were, they pr- the guys probably wouldn't have been able to report it. So if they crash because of gremlins, then who's to say? Unless they're radioing back. Uh oh, gremlins! 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 But then, yeah, he, yeah, that's true. Unless you, unless someone survived the plane crash and can can say, well, everything's going fine till that giant green goblin jumped on the windshield. Yeah, I think a lot of the, <laughs> I think a lot, oh yeah, of course the green goblin from Marvel Comics. So he lives on <laughs> that too. green goblin. He's kind of a gremlin. He's um, kind of known as like a red baron. Yeah, sort yeah, of he's guy. more of a red baron. He would probably suffer gremlin ill effects. Mm-hmm. Um, he has his own gremlins. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, he does. The Green Goblin. The Green Goblin Gremlins. Green, yeah. The Triple G's. No, there's, I mean, then there's that car called the Gremlin, which was a stupid name for a and, car and, and it, a bad car. And it turned out it wasn't a self fulfilling prophecy at all. Yeah. 
No, I can't find anything about gremlins after World War II. So do you think we must have defeated them or accidentally. The gremlins have now gone into the internet. They've gone digital. They're, they're chewing on the cables inside your computer. That Wikipedia page used to have a big entry about post-World War II gremlins. Oh, so do you think whenever a celebrity um, goes on some sort of racist tirade and then says their account was hacked, yeah. it was hacked by gremlins yeah, who were literally chewing on wires Yeah, there is a gremlin their in their iPhone that uploaded the video of them having sex with Ray J or whoever. <laughs> <coughs> that makes perfect sense. So once so again, what the, you, the, so our message remains the same. Wake up, Grimple. Yeah, wake up, Grimples. There's gremlins all around you. If you you can change your privacy settings all you want. Yeah, they're still there. That's this is an anti-gremlin show. We really are. We put our foot down. We don't want any gremlins. Well, and you say that when we put our foot down, we're hopefully stomping on a few gremlins <laughs> at the while we're doing it. That's right. Those Ferris wheel gremlins. Maybe that's why we, we this thing hasn't rotated in six weeks. I know that's been a real bummer, mm-hmm. especially with all the heat. <laughs> okay, well, should we get to something else that, that's Lord of the Rings related, ironically? Yeah, let's keep it up with the Lord of the Rings. I think it's time for our another recurring segment yeah. of ours. It's time to blow your speakers. <laughs> so this is my attempt to become a metal elitist, one heavy metal album at a time. And this week, I was. I, last week, I, I said I was going to do some black metal after reading that horrific book about all these crazy. I, there's no other word, but, but lunatics that yeah. play, play and listen to black metal. Now, are they. I was, kept referring to them as Norwegian last week, I think. Are they specifically no, Norwegian? Yeah, or Nor- are they Norwegian is like the epicenter. Yeah. It's spread out to Germany and Sweden a little bit, but, it's, but Nor- Norwegian black metal is definitely its own thing. Yeah, the more I got into that. Um, it, the more it just really creeped me out, and it made me very uncomfortable actually reading about it. It kind of did the same with me, and I initially said I was going to review uh, a black metal album, either Emperor, Burzum, or, or uh, Venom or something. But then I discovered something a little more triumphant, and that is Blind Guardian's Nightfall in Middle-Earth. And as soon as I heard the title Nightfall in Middle-Earth, I knew that this was, this was a, a metal album I could get behind. So this is a record that was released April 28th, 1998. It's the sixth studio album from the German outfit Blind Guardian. They are a power metal band formed in 1984. This, so power metal is traditional metal mixed with speed metal. So it's kind of got that, that heavy kind of... Uh, like Black Sabbath sort is that, of sound. Now, what, just, and I'm going to keep interrupting because I get confused. That's fine. Traditional metal is what we would think of as, would that be like Zeppelin and Black yeah, Sabbath? Yeah, 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 more like that. Okay. That's like seven, and then maybe kind of Iron Maiden, just that kind of just heavy kind of rock and sound. And then speed metal is more like, I, I think can be used interchangeably with, with thrash, which is basically really fast uh, guitar leads. And it kind of mixes them both together. And so, but then it has like a really uplifting, triumphant sound. So it usually, the songs are usually kind of like anthems. They have fantasy ideas in them. So a lot of times it's about like knights attacking wizards and all that kind of stuff. And then it has really strong, hooky choruses. Yeah. Now I am, I'll say this too. I'm not really into metal, but I am 100% down with this stuff. And I've actually enjoyed, I've been enjoying Blind Guardian for a 
for years. Oh, okay. Yeah. Oh, you're familiar. Good. Yeah. During so, my Lord of the Rings phase, I came across and them. And they are very Lord of the Rings. I, I would describe them as that whole genre of metal I just described mixed with the Lord of the Rings soundtrack. Because there's lutes, there's, there's that kind of... There's a lot of songs that, that sound like someone in an inn playing some kind of mandolin or some mm-hmm. Middle Earth instrument. And then those same melodies will lead into a kind of a heavy metal song. Now, this heavy metal is the most overproduced, polished metal you can imagine. And there must be a thousand tracks on, you know, different layers where they have like seven guitars, 14 vocal things. Because yeah. in this, the vocals are as, as layered and complicated as the guitar leads. Yeah. And it's like they're trying to replicate a symphony orchestra, but just all with guitars. Yeah, with guitars and with this guy's voice. Yeah. That, his name's Hansi Kirsch is the singer. And then the main songwriter is a, a guitarist named Andre Oblerk. Uh, so this is a Nightfall in Middle Earth is a concept album about the Cimmerillion, I think it's pronounced, the prequel to The Lord of the Rings. And this, and when I say concept album, I don't mean it's got a couple references here and there. I mean this is almost like an audiobook. <laughs> it starts out with sounds of battle, like swords clashing together and men yelling and horses. And then you can hear footsteps inside a castle and someone shut a door. And then they have voice actors playing Sauron and, and I think it's in Morlock. Morgoth. Morgoth. That's what it is. Morgoth. And they, and they do a great job. The actors they got are pros. And they just, it, it's so atmospheric. And then it'll launch into some, this super polished operatic anthem-like song with all these guitar leads that sound like, like some little tavern music. It's pretty mind-blowing. It's great workout music. It really is. And, and, and when I said I was kind of creeped out like you were by black metal, this is the opposite feeling. This is, very, this is like the metal equivalent of youth crew, positive mental attitude, punk. You know, this is just, we are going to defeat the enemy. And, 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 and man, oh man, this dude has so much passion in his voice. There's so much emotion. And he has such a range. It, it, it's kind of incredible. I, I don't know if I've heard a vocalist like this Hansi guy. So, so tell me the story, if you can remember correctly. Tell me the story of the Silmarillion. Simul- the Silmarillion was just a bunch of random notes and unfinished writings by J.R.R. Tolkien. Mm-hmm. Uh, after he died, of course, to cash in as, as far as possible on Lord of the Rings, someone like compiled them and uh, published them. Probably his son, Christopher. Right. But calling it a prequel to Lord of the Rings makes it sound like it might be something coherent and enjoyable to read. Mm-hmm. But it's more like the Old Testament of okay. the Lord of the of Middle Earth if you were only reading assorted bits of the Dead Sea Scrolls. Wow. Now, I try, and I'm saying this, I've never finished reading it. So if someone out there loves it and has finished reading it, please write in um, and just tell me that I'm a dumb guy, because I am, and I won't dispute that. I got about three chapters in. No, I got further than that. But the first two chapters were the same story, but retold about the creation of the earth mm-hmm. and this God who came and smashed everything. And that's why we have mountains and lakes. Okay. Because the earth was just a sort of a perfect mm-hmm. sphere with a bunch of perfect white blocks on it. And then this guy came and banged them up with a hammer. And that's why we have mountains and lakes and valleys. Yeah, makes sense. Yeah. Um, but then Morgoth was, before Sauron, he was like Sauron's mentor. He's Sauron's mentor? Yeah. Yeah, he's Sauron's master. 
So, okay, I had that backwards. I was trying to figure out the story from just the dialogue and the lyrics. So there's the f- the big battering ram in... Is that in Return of the King during the siege of Minas Tirith? Mm-hmm. The big battering ram is supposed to be like contain Morgoth's spirit. Really? Or maybe it's Melkor's spirit. Because they're chanting. They're bringing out this battering ram. And they're like chanting. Wow. Because it represents... Like, so it's like a powerful magic battering ram. Yes. I didn't the battering know ram that. that gets like a whole chapter and a half in the book. I just thought it was a badass battering ram. I yeah. didn't realize. And then I can't remember... I can't remember where Morgoth and Melkor fit in. They may be the same person. They might be. So, so because there's a part where Sauron says to Sauron, I think he goes, "Build me an army worthy of Melkor." Okay, so from what I oh Morgoth was originally Melkor. Okay, okay. okay. So what what I gleaned, I gleaned that a little bit, but this is a recounting from this I actually read online is a recounting of the War of the Jewels specifically. Mm-hmm. I guess the Cimmerils are diamonds or something of power. And they're they're fighting over him, and so f- this is the, this is kind of what I got from the the album. There's battle at the beginning. Uh, Sauron and and this more what's his name Morgoth Morgoth. They they're losing the initial battle, so they're kind of retreating, and then they piss off these elves really bad, and then the elves try to invade, and they get they get tricked, and someone gets locked up, and then the and then they kill this 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 one elf, and so then there's all this revenge stuff. And then the king goes to confront, I guess, the current elf king. I, I think like seventy years passed throughout this this album. Yeah, and some elf shows up. There's and like Luthien and Fingolfin and Fionor. Yeah, Fino- and there's a song sons. called "The Curse of the Fionor." Is one yeah. of the best songs on it. And so then, okay, basically, I got the idea that this is the Empire Strikes Back of Lord of the Rings. At the end of the album, the either Morgoth or Sauron has won, and the elves are crushed, and the only fear that the, the evil one has left in his mind is this lost king, is what they say at the end of the album. And I assume that's, that's uh, Strider, Aragorn, right? He's the, the, the return of the king. Isn't that the that's, whole thing? Yeah, it's got to be, right? So that's got to be what's, what this wizard or whatever... Uh, is nervous. It doesn't really matter. Well, I've got good news for you. You're trying to interpret where where these tracks fall into the the Middle Earth mythology. Mm-hmm. Well, don't worry. Wikipedia breaks down for you track by track. Oh, bam! So, including a, you're going to fall into a real wormhole. For example, in track eight, Blood Tears, Madrahos relates the horrors of his captivity and his deliverance by Fingon. Then you got to click on Fingon. That's to see a who good the hell song. That is. Blood Tears is good. And then and that one, the elves are saying like, "Welcome to my realm." That's how it starts out. And I think the elves have retreated and made some pact with a bunch of other elves. Maybe. Yeah, it sounds like this is way more enjoyable than reading the Silmarillion. It's amazing, and that's what we're going to get to. This, this, I was, I was trying to think of an award for a metal album, and I think I'm going to call it the masterpiece of puppets. Oh, okay. Is this the so kind of like our former Pizza Party Hall of Fame? Yeah. Okay. Where where this is this is. So far, every record I, I've reviewed, I've loved. Yeah. But this one kind of took it to the next level. This this is a really special album because it is musically incredible. It's got... The production is incredible. The story is... The fact that it has these actors in between the songs in caves going, we must retreat, my lord, and all this stuff and sound effects. And they have a funeral for the king at one part. It's, it is the most 
atmospheric and engaging album I've listened to in so long. I actually, after listening to this for a couple of days, I immediately went out and bought tickets to Blind Guardian this fall. They're coming. To here? Yep. Where? The Complex. Sweet. With Opener's Gravedigger. Oh, man. Who I, li- I looked up, and they're pretty sweet, too. But this, but I, yeah, I'm going, I'm so pumped. It's, th- this was a, a, it was just such a cool album. It was, it was just a step above to have this now, entire concept. What's the cover art like? It is Morgoth sitting on a throne in kind of a blue room and making Lysian or something, a female elf dance around for him. Okay. It's 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 a cool cover. It's it's painted and it looks it looks very Dungeons and Dragons book cover. Uh-huh. Or I guess straight up Lord of the Rings yeah. book cover, but it's I was thinking of looking for a patch for it because I've got my battle vest. I don't, I don't know if I <laughs> I've told you this either. I'm going to to the California Death Fest. Yeah. I've I've jumped into this metal thing just bold. You really went all the way in. I have. I've stopped reading news. It's, I don't know any current events. No, you asked me we were we were just watching the news, and there was this old Jewish guy making a speech. And yeah. He said, who's that? And I said, oh, his name's Bernie Sanders. Yeah, and then I said... He's running for president. And, you and said, I said, is he the guy that started uh, Kentucky Fried Chicken? And you said, no, that's the colonel. Yeah, and... That's not Bernie. No, you're, you're really out of it. Yeah, and so, yeah, I haven't watched, I haven't watched television in two months at all. I, when you were doing your preacher review, I was thinking, gosh, i got to remember that that show exists. Not that I need to watch it, because it's like that Doctor Who villain... I can't remember what they're called. The silence, I think. When you see them, you're horrified, and as soon as you're not currently looking at them, you forget they exist. Oh, those scary! They got scary faces. I hate to see those got, in a window. Yeah, you wouldn't want to see that in a window. But that's how the preacher is because I'm like, oh, I love the comic. I want to watch that. And then as soon as you're done talking about it, I'm like, poof, yeah. gone. And you're just thinking about. I'm just metal. thinking about Blind Guardian and how to get revenge for these elves. Yeah, so I, I got a battle vest, which is for the, for those that don't know. I already owned it. I didn't even realize it. It's almost like fate that I have it. It's basically a Levi jacket with no sleeves. And mine's black. And I got it a year ago, and I've, I've, I haven't worn it much. But then I'm like, holy smokes. I've got to have my battle vest for, for California Death Fest and for, for Blind Guardian. And so, I th- so the, 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 key, the keystone to a battle vest is to have a back patch. Like You can put tons of little patches all over of these evil bands and their wicked pointy-lettered names. But you've got to have this tie. You got to tie it together with a big back patch. This is awesome. I went to. I, I was thinking, what band deserves the back patch, right? And there's a lot of them I like. I thought Slayer's the, probably the one I like the most. But then I'm like, I don't know. Do I want a big pentagram on my back? So I went to Kindred's website, the vegan heavy metal restaurant, and they have a back patch. Oh, perfect. So I ordered it. It is that 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 wolf head with six eyes and the snakes and stuff. It's it's really classy. I knew a kid in high school who had a punk rock jacket. I did. I did have one of those. Well, leather jacket with like drawing. I don't know how you draw on it. On the leather jacket? Yeah, like just drawings, a drawing, a paint, paint marker, paint marker, and studs mm-hmm. and all that. And he had bright orange hair that was all out in spikes, like a porcupine man. Right. And uh, I was pointing out the bands on his jacket, and being like, "Oh, cool, mm-hmm. screeching weasel. I like them." Right. And he said. They're dumb. They just came with the jacket. <laughs> so he didn't actually like any of the bands on his jacket. Where did you go? But at... I guess he just had a budget and could only afford a pre-made. Wait a minute. Who, whose jacket was it then? Someone made it for him? I already like, bought it off some guy or found it at the DI. I don't know. But then he didn't pick, tick off the Screeching Weasel patch. 
he didn't like any of the bands on it. I was pointing out the any, bands. Any of them. That I was, and it was your typical, it was like the Misfits, Screeching right, Weasel. like Discharge, all the same Total ones. Chaos. Total, the only thing he even gave me any, any thing was Total Cast's old stuff used to be good. Oh, so he, yeah, it's, it's, I guess that it's all it. right. It's like, oh, their old stuff used to be good. But then I was like, why do you wear this jacket around like a dangerous street punk? Maybe it was a, like a fashion thing. I, I know that Kim Kardashian just recently was wearing a, a, a jacket with like, and, and Kanye West wears, wears stuff all the time, patches that'll say the Misfits Right, and yeah. Stuff. No, that's what I'm saying. But, this, but I, I guarantee Kanye West has never heard the Misfits. Yeah, but this was back in the mid-90s, and this kid was acting so edgy. So you're, you're, not, so you're saying it's not a fashion statement from a celebrity. Is, my, my no, that's what I'm saying is it was. Not, oh, it is. That's what I'm saying is he was a poser. He was a poser. That's what we hate the most. In, right. in metal and punk, we hate wimps and posers the most. So can Leave I... Leave the hall. Can I, uh, can I kind of piggyback on your blind guardian then? And I'm... Come. Uh, I'm the not... The more the merrier, man. I'm not... Uh, oh, I, piggyback. I don't know what you mean. Sorry. Go ahead. I mean, I also want to talk about some symphonic power metal about, with fantasy themes. Okay. Um, and I haven't listened to this in long enough to like, review it uh, in earnest, but... Perhaps the only CD I ever have bought that we could even say is metal is Rhapsody. Oh, yeah. Rhapsody They're of Fire. They're power, power metal for sure. And uh, my favorite is the Symphony of Enchanted Lands, because that does have the song Emerald Sword. They're oh, Italian, nice. so they pronounce it Emerald Sword. <laughs> makes Luca, sense. Uh, Luca Turalili, Luca Turalili okay. uh, who's amazing. Symphony of Enchanted Lands is only one of the five-part Emerald Sword saga. That's five wow. albums. Five albums? Five albums. Wow. Five albums. They're not joking around. Which then has a sequel called the Dark Secret Saga, which follows the main character, Dargor. That is also five albums. So did that, is that all their albums? Ten albums? That's ten albums of, of the, just two stories. The Emerald Sword Saga and the sequel. I don't um, know if I can handle that much mythology. Well, man. just start with Symphony of Enchanted Lands because it does have uh, Emerald Sword, which, according to Urban Dictionary, uh, and frankly, Urban Dictionary seems to be dropping the ball on this one. Mm-hmm. But Emerald Sword is listed as um, the best song ever made by mankind. Whoa! Wow. Which I I I. I'm not going to agree to that, but I'm certainly not going to argue with it. Right. I, I'll get to that. I, I don't know if I can go immediately into another, even though I want to go to another power metal album. I'm loving power metal. I'm, I think but I'm doing... The singer, the singer's named Fabio Leone. How can you not like that? I, Fabio Leone. That's true. That's true, but we'll see. I want to I, I try to do metal next week, I think. Okay, well... Oh, I should name my favorite song. I want to name a couple songs on this. So... The Curse of Fenor, I, re- I liked that song quite a bit. Blood Tears, I thought was great. My favorite song on it was called Thorns. And, but then there's just Nightfall, the title track, is epic. A lot, most of the songs are seven minutes long. It's, it's worth it. It's, it's a masterpiece of puppets. <laughs> All right. Well, I, I uh, haven't watched Degrassi in a while. I'm still taking some time off in between the uh, two seasons, season two and three. Uh, our friend Kevin reported that he okay. started watching it. Oh, nice. So there's that. Um, I do get a lot of feedback. I've never seen Degrassi, and I don't understand why you're talking about it, mm-hmm. but I like it, and so now Kevin's watching it. 
Which okay. at first I was like, that's awesome. And then I thought, oh, wait, no, don't. I'm just too much of a weirdo. To... It's like how a cold spreads or something. Yeah. but um, Or the flu. But he said it was weirdly good, and I agree with that. Mm-hmm. So that's cool. Um, we just got a letter from Brighton. And he says, I thought you were supposed to be some sort of comic book nerd. Do you not know that Iron Man has a villain named Gremlin? He's oh. a Russian. His name is Kontrati Topolov. Are you sure it's not Kremlin? Oh, it's maybe it's a play on words. You got to see this guy, Gremlin. Wow! <laughs> and naturally, he's a villain for Iron Man since Iron Man is all about his circuitry and his wires and his. Oh, that makes sense. Um, Does he climb inside Iron Man's suit? I really hope so. I really hope Iron Man's flying around and this little guy's like on his arm. I hope so too. There's a guy on my arm. You have to see this guy because he's obviously very small. He's wearing some sort of Soviet outfit. Has this? I don't know. Sort of an acorn-shaped head. Yeah, it's kind of a like egghead guy, yeah. brainiac guy. Yeah, there's even uh, yeah the Marvel Wikia doesn't really have any information, but uh, but there's that. Um, Ryan Keen just does write in. Uh, I think this is the first time he's written into our new show. Love your new podcast. A perfect combination of everything I've loved, and uh, he just makes some metal suggestions, which I'll I'll let you read off air and decide where you want to go with those. I think. Nothing worth just shouting out one of them or any have notable names. Um, it's just a, it's a just bunch a of list. words. It's a bunch of words I don't understand. Bunch so. of words. Okay. Yeah. All right. Yeah. I'll get to it. Sounds good. Thank you, Ryan. Yeah. So check those out. Um, that's about all we have to cover tonight. I think. Nice. I think today, that, tonight, whenever you're listening to it. And I think that just about covers it. Us covering all that. I think we cover by covering all that. Sounds good. Yeah. I got a busy week ahead of me. Busy weekend. We're. Uh, when this comes out, we're a little over one week away from attending our, our first wrestling event. Yes, it's going to be a, a big a big event for World Champion Podcast. Yeah. WWE Live. I was considering making a mix CD to try to give to Sami Zayn, the ska wrestler. Oh, maybe you should try. So maybe I will do that. Because we are on the fourth row. Yeah. And I don't know if throwing a metal disc at a wrestler is a good idea. It's fine. But, you know, maybe we can find him at the hotel maybe put it on, or something. You could put it on an external hard drive and throw that at him. Yeah, and say, Sammy, open your mouth. Yeah. <laughs> try, to, try to get that in there. Or if we threw it, yeah, if we put it on a thumb drive, if he swallowed it right when you threw it, then he could still wrestle and then enjoy it later. Yeah, about 24 hours later. <laughs> Plug that right in, man. Plug I, and play. I have thumb drives so small that I'm always worried I'm going to swallow them. Oh, really? Uh, just a panic of You mine. should quit carrying them around in your mouth. Well, it's one of my biggest fears is I'm going to swallow my thumb drive. But I also, I, you know. Is it a big fear or is it a little fear? I'd no, say that's, that's a little fear. It's one of your littlest fears. One of my you, littlest fears. swallow a thumb drive. Swallowing my thumb drive. But then an even, I mean, a bigger fear than that is just losing it outright. That's why I keep it between my cheek and gum like a piece of chaw. Like a nice little chipmunk. Yeah. I always have my, my spit cup, but it's Chip- just full oh. of circuits. A chi- I, oh, I got a, a joke to end the show. Oh. A microchip monk. Boom. <laughs> Well, hey, write to us at worldchampionpodcast at gmail.com, facebook.com, just look for World Champion Podcast. We're on Instagram at worldchampionpod. I posted twice this week. Oh, nice. Yeah. Twitter, we are at Smogville Fair. I'm in the process of adding more content to our website. Cool. Because I do want to document the important Smogville news. Mm-hmm. Um, let's make a section for the masterpiece of puppets. Okay. Maybe if we're really, really feeling sassy, we'll put the old Pizza Party Hall of Fame on there. Oh, that Because we never got around to putting that on the Pizza Party well, website. That could, get, that could get us verklempt. Let's do it. It could. It could. And, and also, if anyone doesn't know, we used to do a podcast called Pizza Party Podcast. They, they so. just were assuming we were talking about our great pizza parties. <laughs> 
There's, these guys yeah. sure do love talking about these parties these they throw. These lavish pizza parties where, where we bestow awards <laughs> and elect people to the Hall of Fame. Um, something kind of sad I noticed. Uh, I decided after 19 episodes that maybe I should leave us an iTunes review oh. to pump that up. We don't have a lot of iTunes reviews. The ones we do have are very nice. And thanks to everyone who's taken the time to do that. But if you're listening, if you would please take a minute to pop in and leave us an iTunes review. I think about 1% of our listeners have done that. Okay. So I will appreciate that. And also, someone months ago, I think, wrote into our Facebook to ask if we could get on some new It was like an Android thing. Yeah. Will you actually just go ahead and email us so I can make sure that happens at worldchampionpodcast at gmail.com? Because when something's on Facebook, it just kind of gets lost for me. all right, everyone, go do that right now. Go give us a, a wonderful review, and we'll be waiting here in our box seats up yeah. here in the Ferris wheel. I just hope another band's, uh, let's hope Blind Guardian's bus breaks down in the fall. Oh, yeah, fingers crossed. Yeah. All, All right. right, see you soon. All right, have a good night.